got therapy from coach drew so this is not just somebody that i went and reached out to randomly i have a personal relationship with him um kind of like a, a patient I, I formerly had a patient relationship with him but we became such good friends in the process that we just both agreed um oh, let's just hang out as friends i can go see somebody else if i need to uh the friendship was way more valuable so we hang out all the time I kind of reference it a little bit in the podcast, but I, I just encourage you, like you know, keep your keep your mind really open here. He and I have uh, a lot of parallels in what we what we kind of preach and teach, but um, he just comes at it with a, a different flavor, and I think it's going to add a lot of value. And because he's so seasoned in the area of relationships, that's where we spent a majority of our time was just talking about paying attention to what's going on with you, uh, understanding how to communicate that to another person, and then understanding how much is a- allowable. What what should you communicate and what is meant to be kept to yourself? And um, and we just cover that subject specifically and lots of other subjects kind of around it. And I think you're going to be really, really impacted by it. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, and what, sorry, one last thing. Um, he does mention uh, that he's doing a virtual summit at the end of this week. Okay, so this is getting published on a Monday. The summit, I believe, is on a Friday or a Saturday, and I highly encourage you to sign up for it. It's very inexpensive. He's he's just he's unbelievably generous with uh, his content and his events. But if you're looking to grow in this area, it's called the Reconnect Conference. There's details for it in the show notes. He's going to talk about it as well, but I just want to mention it here. Um, anyway, now without further ado, let's go to this epic intro that I know you've just been dying to listen to. Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. All right, well, I'm here with the legendary Dr. Andrew Blackwood. Uh, who is, man, I, you've worn a lot of different hats for me over the years. You've been my therapist at one point. Uh, you've become a very good friend. And we were just messaging the other week. You're really not a friend anymore. You're family. Uh, so it's been very fun. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It is a joy and a privilege and an honor to be a member of your family and to have you a member of mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been really fun. Um, I, it's funny, you and I connected through another podcast, actually. We were both regular contributors for The Unspoken Conversation, which is hosted by our friend Jordan. And uh, Jordan just raved about you for uh, for what felt like years on end. And I never really got a chance to meet you while we were both mutually contributing to that podcast. I eventually stepped away, and I know you did a little bit later. Um, and then I hit crisis. I've shared uh, pretty openly on my podcast about some of the challenges that my wife and I experienced in engagement and uh, you were kind of just top of the list of recommended people to, to reach out to and you really uh, guided us through that time and uh, I was always hoping that we'd be able to, to stay connected somehow and we've kind of formed a friendship out of it which is fairly unique I, I'm guessing I'm guessing you don't form these kind of friendships with all of your clients um, but it's been uh, it's been really fun man and it's uh, it's just it's an honor to be able to sit down with you and and pick your brain you're a you're a um, your fountain of wisdom and knowledge and insight. It's going to be really fun. Oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. Yeah. So let's um, let's just get started with with kind of who you are and what you do. I've obviously uh, given a little bit of an inkling, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what your practice looks like right now? And um, you are a man with many things on on the go. So just fill us in a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's funny about. 
well, I guess it would be maybe 15, 16 years ago, uh, while I was working part-time at a youth detention uh, facility, um, I just realized how important it was to get a larger picture of people, to be working with families, and because kids would come in and out of custody, in and out of custody, and you wouldn't see any real lasting change for most of them. So since that time, I've been working with individuals, couples, I've worked in homes and in community and all that stuff. And now I am doing a whole lot more uh, coaching, believe it or not. Um, so I have a very action-oriented style of, you know, I, you know me, Sathya, I like, I like to get down, let's get to it. Oh, yeah. Um, I offer courses and coaching. I still do uh, some psychotherapy as well. Um, but I want to really be getting out and getting some good quality, transformative information to people. At the end of the day, Sathya, my mission is to change world relationship culture so that people really are able to respond to pain, their pain or the pain that they cause with care and competence. We all get to be agents of healing in this thing. And I, wow. I want to see the world change in that way. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll go to something just fundamental here. What's the difference between coaching and counseling? Oh, good question. Um, there are a number of, I guess, practical and um, how would I say, I wouldn't quite call it ethical as much as it is legal differences in terms yeah. of accreditation. So um, currently I live in, in the province of Ontario and we have a college that regulates psychotherapy. Um, and it exists to protect the public because not everyone who says that they are competent uh, psychotherapists actually is. Uh, whereas coaching, on the other hand, is not regulated. There might have, you know, accrediting bodies, but it's, it's not, you, do, you don't need a license to be a coach. Anybody can say they're a coach. Um, so um, the difference is with, with counseling as well, it's a, it's a one-time, you know, one how do I say this? Um, the way that you pay for counseling is different than the way, the way that you would pay for coaching. That's so true, yeah. in the arena of coaching, you can sell packages and you can contract to work with a period of, for a period of time with a group of people or an individual. Whereas with counseling, you can't do that. Right. Um, so people come and they go and th there's benefit and blessing to that. Um, but then there are benefits to the coaching where you can invest in a different way. Um, I find that people um, sometimes when they when they're all in, they get more out of it. Whereas if it's just like, okay, well, I'll see you in, in a few months, the progress tends to start and stop for people. Um, and if that's where you are and that's what works for you, um, that's okay. But um, as far as a business model goes, um, there's there's a lot of benefit to uh, moving beyond uh, psychotherapy unless you want to have a practice and have a bunch of people uh, working on your team, which at this point, that's not something that I want. Yeah, fair enough. No, that's, that's a really good explanation. And yeah, it's obviously going to vary depending on where listeners are, but there's usually some legalities associated with psychotherapy. And of course, the, the method of treatment is a little bit different than a coaching practice. Um, you're probably one of the more educated people that I know in this sort of arena of mental illness, mental health, and I want to um, I want to pull on kind of two different strings. One is, 
you know, most guys who are struggling with uh, pornography or have some sort of sexual misbehavior, uh, it's very often affiliated with a mental illness as well, anxiety and depression being the most prevalent. Um, I wonder if you can just comment a little bit about what you're seeing, uh, the, the timing of this, you know, we're recording, uh, where we are like, we're just starting to come out of hibernation, out of COVID hibernation. Um, you know, in America, like, uh, it's funny, like you watch sports games now and like there's fans in the stands and uh, there's some like places like Texas and Florida, they're just living their normal lives. Um, but I, most people are forecasting that there's going to be a lot more mental illness prevalence uh, because of the pandemic and some of the effects. Are you seeing that in your practice at all? What, what do you think are going to be some of the impacts that, um, that maybe we need to be aware of coming out of the pandemic and trying to get back to just some semblance of normal life? You know, generally speaking, I don't put a lot of weight on what everybody says <laughs> in yes. terms of, you know, the doom and gloom about, you know, the, 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 the fallout or the damage as a result of COVID. I'm not saying there isn't going to be some challenges that people will face. For example, somebody who um, who contracted the virus and was hospitalized and, you know, their health was impaired and impeded. There's a really traumatic experience or people who um, no longer feel safe to go outside, right? There, there's that kind of impact. Yet by and large, what I'm finding is that the pandemic hasn't really done anything new to anyone. Interesting. It's really kind of just compounded the pressure and the stress, which, you know, in intensified some stuff that was already there, right? You, for a while, you weren't allowed to go home. You weren't allowed to go to the gym. You weren't allowed to, you know, do all these wonderful things that a lot of people do as coping strategies or avoiding strategies for the challenges that they have, either with their their individual selves or with their partners or with their family members. So what COVID did was simultaneously gave us a chance to recognize how challenging our situations really are but as well the opportunity to actually turn and address them. Hmm, and I see that as a golden opportunity. Like every problem has within it resident a wonderful opportunity. The bigger the challenge, the bigger the opportunity. So um, I don't see COVID as you know this horrible thing. I see it as a thing um, that we get to respond to and we get to uh, adapt and, and grow as a result of. I love that. I love that wisdom. Um, the other thing I thought I would touch on just in the, as far as the areas where you're educated and what you had mentioned is you, you're really passionate about relationships, helping people do these things well. And I know even uh, in our sessions together, we talked a lot about that because, of course, I was newly engaged and, um, and just thrusted into a whole new world of, uh, of real life problems and managing conflict and having hard conversations and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the, the reason this sort of segues into what you just mentioned is I do know that um, there's a there's a mix of relational conflict that is probably increased because of COVID with people just being at home, having to make that adjustments. I know like my wife and I were just at each other's throats the first six weeks of the pandemic. Uh, nothing personal at all. It's just like I'm crowding her space and she's crowding mine. And, um, you know, there's there's kind of new issues that come up there. But um I don't want to t double down on that so much. I guess I'm just curious for you. Tell, tell us a little bit about what your emphasis is with relationships and why 
why are you so passionate about this and how do you think we're going to make the, the world culture around relationships better? Oh, yeah. Where do I start? You know, my slogan, healthy communication is healing communication. It, 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 I think it embodies the, the epitome of it. We're always communicating at whether you, you're speaking or not speaking, you can speak volumes without saying a word. And even before you said something, the thoughts in your mind, the way that you speak to yourself, you have the ability to be healthy in here, right? Healthy in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. That is dependent upon you. But if you're not aware of uh, your degree of whether it's negative self-talk or paradigms, you know, it's the same kind of language. If you're not aware of the patterns of thought, I do a six-week group. Um, it's called Cultivating Calm and Confidence. And there are certain patterns of thought that they promote anxiety and they promote depression. One of the, one of the big ones is all-or-nothing thinking, right? And these thought patterns, they permeate pretty much every aspect of our lives. So there's there's a specific situation that you might be in, but then you bring your thought patterns, you bring your paradigms, you bring your beliefs, you bring your history, you bring your family drama and your family trauma for generations to that situation. So yeah. if you haven't taken the time to unpack that baggage and sort through what it is that's good and not so good what you want to keep if you're not really aware self-awareness is key if you're not aware then you can actually be self-sabotaging as most of us do um, we can be exacerbating our own issues as most of us do we can be looking at our problems as if they're other people's problems as most of us do so <laughs> You know, being aware of how we communicate with ourselves and others is the first step. So I do that. I help people to be aware, but I also help people to find new ways and new words for themselves and other people. And it's so amazing to see when people become aware, oh, that's where I got that from. That's what my dad said to me, and this is what I'm now saying to my son or not saying to my son. And we see how these things can be passed down from one generation to the next. So um, awareness is key. Tolerance is the next thing. You want to be you know, able to tolerate what you become aware of. Um, and sometimes that's an emotion. Like, for example, being able to tolerate a degree of uh, discomfort, anxiety, or even sadness or powerlessness, right? It's important to be able to tolerate that emotion because now we can identify the thought that's attached to the emotion and then change the thought. Because a lot of people, they want to feel better, but they don't realize in order to feel better, you get to think better. Right? Wow. To feel better, you get to think better. People, when you feel better for the moment and the thought comes back, guess what's going to come back with it? you know that same emotion yeah yeah that's so good yeah you i i remember you teaching me this as well like the significance of labeling emotions and defining thoughts and i love that um kind of the emotions are very much responsive uh whereas thoughts are quite malleable like we have a lot of control there and in sort of exercising the control there it then impacts our emotional response it just it's brilliant uh really really helpful you mentioned something at the beginning there that I, I wanted to go back to, which is um, all or nothing thinking. 
And um, my, my wife did that program, by the way, you mentioned the six-week uh, course. I believe that was the one she did. And, and mm-hmm. she was raving about it. It really made a difference for her. And I think all or nothing thinking was a big one for her. And I, I won't comment on her situation, but I'll comment on mine. Growing up with Indian culture and um, strong traditional Christian culture, I would say all or nothing thinking is kind of just baked into both of those communities, right? And, and it's not a knock on either of them, uh, but it's just that, you know, we've obviously developed as a society. We understand that, okay, not everything is black and white. And even if it is, sometimes the way you communicate it uh, can actually matter. And if, you, if you're empowering people, if you're giving some choice, if you're presenting a bit of a spectrum, uh, it's really quite liberating for people and usually you get a better outcome as well. I want to refine the whole concept into sexuality because that's what this podcast really focuses on. We're, we're dealing with uh, issues that are sexual in nature. And that, that is, I mean, if you want to find all or nothing thinking, I mean, you just have to go into this a little bit in a Christian culture, especially, and there's tons of it. Um, it's the hard lines of like, don't have sex before marriage. Um, it's, you know, it's the, it's kind of the often quoted scripture of like, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. So it's cut and dry. And I think it leaves people feeling uh, really ashamed, really condemned, and almost like, God, you gave me these urges, you gave me this attraction, and I'm just a complete victim to it because it's either I do it perfectly, I meet this impossible standard or seemingly impossible standard, or I fail. Can you, can you comment a little bit on that? What, what would it look like to deconstruct all or nothing thinking in this kind of context? Wow, there's so much to unpack here. I love talking to you, Sophia. You're just so <laughs> articulate and clear, and ah, oh, I just I, I love your mind. Uh, let, let's let's pull it back a little bit before we even dive into sexuality per se. Let's let's just look at how the thought pattern can influence it, right? For starters, um, I'll use myself for example. When I feel stressed, when I feel trapped pressured, tired, you know, all those kind of situations. Um, intensity will drive my all or nothing thinking up. Hmm. Okay. Right? Like when I'm calm and I'm relaxed, I don't engage in all or nothing thinking nearly as much. But when I'm stressed out, I will, right? I tend to. Um, and this, this kind of hit me like a lightning bolt many years ago because I, I'm a very reflective person naturally. And I find that if I'm tired or I, I'm not in the greatest space, it is not the time to evaluate myself. It's not the time to evaluate anything because it's going to spiral into this you know, pit of negativity. It's so extreme, right? Hmm. I move from saying, oh my goodness, I didn't do that as well as I wanted to, to that was horrible. Oh my God, like that, that sucked. All of it sucked. It was horrible because I'm using this all or nothing thinking because I'm tired, because I'm frustrated or whatnot. So now instead of engaging in any kind of evaluative process, when I'm tired, I say, you know what, I'll come back to this with fresh eyes. And I come back to it with less of that intensity and less of that edge. So as it relates to sexuality and those kinds of things, those intense moments can fuel our emotions they can fuel our coping strategies right um i don't know about you but for some people their desire for certain things intensifies when they're feeling stressed 
right? It's a coping strategy. And if we're not aware that our bodies are going to respond and our thought patterns are going to kick up, then we kind of just say that this is who you made me. This is who I am. This is how I am. When that might not be the truth, right? That might not be the truth. Um, God made me this way. Well, let's talk about how he made us. For the most part, we are malleable. Malleable. Like, you know, you, your desires, they probably didn't just appear. They were cultivated over time, right? A lot of people say, well, this is just how I know. This is how you become. <laughs> this is how you've been conditioned, right? Mm. The more you do something is probably the more you're wanting to do it. Right? Even if you don't want to do it, part of you wants to do it even more because it's been done. A lot of hmm. people who experience kind of violation and trauma, they experience that all or nothing thinking too. Well, I must really want this because my body is reacting to it in a particular way. No, your body can be conditioned to react a certain way. So just because you have a feeling doesn't mean that that's what you want 100%. That's just not, that's just not fair to you, to the context, to the history of your life. Right. Wow. So all or nothing thinking can really be present and can really influence um, how we feel, how we think about ourselves, because then we you mentioned shame and shame is different from guilt in, in a number of ways. One, um, guilt can be a state. Right. I did this. So I, I'm I'm guilty. Like that's a fact. But state. Uh, but guilt can also be an emotion. I can feel a lot of guilt. Well, if you did something and it was wrong and you're guilty, it makes sense to feel guilty. That's a healthy, congruent kind of, you know, situation. However, if you're having trouble forgiving yourself and you have a guilt complex and you wear this thing for years and that's very, very different because now you're sewing that into your identity. I am worthless i am i'm the kind of person who i've always or i will never do you hear that all or nothing thinking it it, it becomes woven into our identity and that's how people get stuck they say this is who i am this is who i am in totality this is the way that god made me when that is not 100 percent true wow it's beautiful beautifully explained so what what would it look like for you know let's say you have a guy um who's who's just struggling with all or nothing thinking it's like i'm never gonna get free i'll never i'll never really get um get my urges under control uh, maybe it's the guy who's who's married you know and he knows that he shouldn't be looking at pornography he knows he shouldn't be fantasizing or whatever but he's feeling the the guilt of it and and it's led him to this place of like Oh, I, I just, I, I've tried everything and this is it. Like, I, this is just how it is. I, I can never change anything. How do you coach someone through that process of actually deconstructing the all or nothing thinking? And what what is the resolution for that guy? Obviously, of course, like um, the perfect world is that he achieves full freedom. Um, but I guess I'm wondering mentally, what's the win there where you really know, okay, this guy gets it. He's He's actually breaking out of that thinking pattern. For sure. So there, there are so many things that we get to do in situations like this. There's the proactive approach, and then there's the responsive approach. Okay, most of the times we're reactive. So let's start there. There's a difference between reacting to something and responding to something. 
right? Reaction is more reflex. You kind of default. You just do this. Um, we have some thoughts and some ways that are reactive. Oh, man, I messed up. So I must be this. I must, you know, automatic thoughts or, you know what? Screw it. I'll just do the whole thing. I might as well. I'm, I'm here anyways, right? Yes, um, yes. Whereas responsive, it's where you actually take the time to think and then decide. That's that intentional piece. We want to have a plan in place so that when we have certain thoughts, right, thoughts that come to, because there's a whole world of thoughts. Every A lot of people think that because I have a thought, that a thought originates with me, which means I must agree with it, which means I must want it, right? right. Which is, is so not true. Yeah. So many thoughts cross our minds and God gave us the ability to choose, which is one of the reasons why I don't endorse um language like addiction i know it's helpful for some people but i don't find it helpful for me or for the people that i work with because it ties into that i am powerless i don't have choice and if you don't have choice then you, there's no point then you might as well right whereas if you are taking on this identity that you know i have thoughts and i am learning how to choose my thoughts i'm learning how to use my will to make a decision every time so that's the responsive one. Um, you want to be aware of the all or nothing language. So there are several thought patterns, but the all or nothing one is going to reveal itself in um, extreme language, absolutes, always, never, everyone, have to, can't, right? When we yep. use language like that, um, it is giving us an indication of what our thought pattern is. And what's good about that is we can just opt for something else that is more moderate, right? You can use language like most people, sometimes, rarely, occasionally, far too often, I tend to. This doesn't paint you into a corner or paint you a particular color. It actually helps you to speak more accurately and gives you a sense of freedom, autonomy, and power, right? So knowing that language is actually the bridge between the response, the responsive, you know, responding to thoughts. Like I can choose my thoughts when these thoughts or temptations or situations come, but it also helps us to be proactive. Hmm. Proactive means I'm going to journal. I'm going to change the way that I speak. I'm going to be planting good seed about myself, about my life, about my future on a regular basis. I'm going to do this not because I'm tempted, not because I'm struggling, but this is how healthy thoughts grow. This is how a healthy person, a healthy identity, a healthy sense grows. It just doesn't happen automatically and stay that way. That's right. not the case. Right. So we get to be proactive and intentionally process our thoughts and our feelings on a regular basis. We get to be intentional about the language we use with ourselves and others. So that's how I see change for a lot of people happen. And you sow that language into your identity. You talk about who you are, but your awareness and your decision about who you are matters more than your history. Hmm. A lot of people say, this is what I've done, so this must be who I am. This is where I come from. No, that's not how it works. That's not how, well, I mean, it can work that way. But if you want life to be different, you have the power to choose that. There are two that's roads right. in front of me. Choose life or choose death. The choice is yours.
right? And a lot of people don't know how to choose. You know, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And whoever loves it will eat the fruit thereof. So you have the power to choose what am I going to speak into my life? What fruit do I want to bear? Right? What seed do I want to plant? And just like a farmer, sometimes we get patient with the all or nothing kind of, it hasn't happened, so it's not going to happen. That's not the way it works. You keep planting, you keep sowing, you keep watering, and you will see the increase. You will see the fruit. That's just the way it works. Wow, I love that. That was such a comprehensive response. I think, and I think you're really, uh, you're onto something there with the identity component. Like we say here, if you, if you call yourself an addict, you will stay addicted to preserve your identity. Like you kind of shoot yourself in the foot, right? When you have these I am statements that are actually so destructive. Um, that was that was a beautiful, beautiful answer. I want to use that to jump into uh, the one thing that I promised we would talk about in the interview. I didn't give you much to work with uh, going into it, as I usually do. I like to just keep it open and conversational. But um, I wanted to drill down on this whole idea of talking to a significant other, spouse, uh, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, about sexual issues. Um, I mean, you kind of see the gamut in the work I do. You see some people who are uh, ahead of, I would say they're ahead of the game in the sense that they've already had some of those conversations. Um, there's there's a healthy amount of sharing uh, for the most part. And, you know, the, the significant other has an understanding. I've had some guys who are, are married, they have kids, and their wife doesn't know anything. And they're terrified at the idea of, of even thinking about talking to them about it, you know, like, because they're just worried they're going to lose everything. And I, again, totally understand the sentiment. But those situations, and I would say a lot of the situations I see that are in between, are usually because they they don't have any kind of uh, equipping. They haven't been equipped or taught on how to do this well. And when they've maybe ventured into that territory, it's just kind of blown up. Uh, the, the wife has a really poor response. She's hurt. She's offended. Um, again, all very understandable responses, but it makes for an unpleasant experience. And I think sometimes as guys, we can coil a little bit and we, we just keep it under, swept under. And I've had clients who, some clients who think like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll do your program. I'll get free. And then I'll talk to my wife about it. And it's like, yeah, right, buddy. Like you wish that's how it worked. Um, but you actually have to do one to get the other. And you got your order a little bit backwards there. So I guess I'm just wondering if you can um, try to get into some of the nuts and bolts of sharing with your significant other. Um, I think the reason it segues from what we just talked about is a lot of people uh, feel like they have to tell everything in one conversation. Like it's the all or nothing thing again. It's like, well, if I tell them, I'll tell them everything. They have to know everything or I just stay hidden. Um, just, I don't know, just talk us through a little bit um, of what, what it might look like for someone to do this with some wisdom. Yeah, well, I think a wise statement here would be, you probably know more than I in this area. Uh, yet, um, I, I, I do think I have some things to contribute, which is why you have me talking about it. Um, Go for it, man. Don't hold back. So, let's let's look at uh, a number of aspects. I'll, I'll pull back once again um, to talk about the cycle of intimacy and vulnerability. So even before we talk about how much do I share, let's talk about the reality that um, there's a there's a cycle because if you want a truly intimate relationship and we know that intimacy is not just about physical connection and contact we're talking about knowing somebody 
Like that's really the heart of intimacy. Knowing somebody that makes you vulnerable. When you know somebody, you don't know just know the wonderful things about them. You know the not so good things about them as well, and that sets us up for um, vulnerability, right? Hmm. To, you can only be accepted as far as you are known, and if you refuse to be known. Then you are actually refusing to be accepted. There is a risk that you might be rejected, and most people they don't want to bet on that. They don't want to bet on their partner accepting them and and staying with them and loving them and supporting them. And the truth is that you're never really going to be accepted. You will never really belong, right? Which is often what's fueling this desire to connect with other people, right? <laughs> it's not. It's rarely just physical right there is some degree of engagement but it is shallow intimacy right and then we then we remain on the outskirts of what it really means to be wholly loved and to to belong and to really be known so i think you get to decide what it is that you want do you want to just coexist or do you want the opportunity to really belong that's i think it's important to think to consider um, the next thing I think is important to consider is um, when we are approaching something like this and we know that what we're or we anticipate that what we're going to share is going to be hurtful to someone, what, what then becomes the priority, right? Is it you protecting yourself or is it you addressing the hurt that you've caused the other person? Wow. And then that moves wow. us all the way into the art of a genuine apology. Um, okay, here we go. Lay, lay it on us. This is your bread and butter here. Let's go. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't have enough time to get into all the steps of the, uh, the art of a genuine apology. But suffice it to say, there are five values that are woven into the genuine apology. Humility, vulnerability, empathy, responsibility, and accountability. Hmm. These values we get to embody as we approach these conversations, right? So when you approach this, I know there are going to be stages and steps to it. And like Sathya, like you said, don't anticipate go getting through all of these steps in one conversation. That's really just not fair to you or fair to the other person. But yeah. that said, at the end of the day, if we want to be connected, if we want to experience healthy, whole love, and we want to experience reconciliation, these values will permeate everything that we say and everything that we do. So as you approach this, it is so important to understand who you are and how you found yourself in the situation that you are in. Even before you apologize, even before you kind of uh, decide I'm going to say something it's important to understand what brought you to this point and this is the beauty of community whether they're talking to someone like you someone like me in a more formal capacity or they're talking to somebody who is informally their support system their community somebody who's safe and who's trusted whether they're talking to God or talking to their journal, talk to somebody, get an understanding of how you got to where you got to. Because if you don't understand that, the chances are more likely that you will revisit it again, right? 
So beyond deciding, okay, I'm going to share this, I'm going to apologize, I'm going to seek the healing of the other party, you want to understand this for yourself primarily, right? You don't want to lead the discussion with how you got to where you got. That is, that's a bad, bad, bad idea. How come? Well, I, I totally agree, but, but go into it a little bit. Why is that a bad idea? Sure. Well, similar to when offering uh, an apology um, and creating uh, a plan around your accountability that you actually share. You want to share at some point your plan, your commitment to change without sharing all the details about how you got there. You want to know them so you have a good plan, but you don't want to share them because it's likely going to sound like an excuse. Uh-huh. Well... I was abused as a child, right? Or when I'm stressed, I made this choice. I made, even if you own it, right? Even if you are wise enough to not use the word mistake, because that is a mistake. Even if you are wise enough to use the word, you know, I made a bad decision. I made an unwise choice. By saying, you know, things like, you know, when I did this or I experienced this and this is what happened to me, maybe factual, but the other person may hear that as an attempt to win favor or pity with them, right? So that if they hear like, oh, so you want, me, you want me to feel sorry for you? Then all of a sudden now it's about you. And then a lot of people is going to be like, it's about you again. How come it's always about you? You're the one who's <laughs> unfaithful to me. And now I get to feel sorry for you? Right? right people can feel manipulated when you give them too much of the history in the moment right mm. so it's good to know it so you can address it be healed and make different plans however when sharing it's important that what you share is not conveyed in a way that is heard as an excuse right now i know there's a difference between an explanation and an excuse I have a history of working with people, so the explanation is valid. However, know who you're talking to. Know what it is is the point of the conversation. Because if you're trying to address yes. somebody's wound and you're giving the explanation, it's going to feel and sound like an excuse, and that's not what you want. Um, so take care of yourself. That's a long way to say understand yourself, take care of yourself, get some support around you, and then you can be intentional about supporting the other person. Another aspect that I think about um, when it comes to sharing too much or um, too little is the person that you're talking to and the timing of you know what's going on. Um, this is not so much a rule advice as in like none of what I said is like rule based. It's it's principles, it's wisdom, and then you discern how you apply it. Um, knowing who you're talking to and in the context. So if you have a partner who tends to be anxiety prone and they use all or nothing language and thinking as well, um, and they're in the middle of a financial crisis and they have stress at work and all this stuff, it's good to think about the timing of what you share, when you share, how much what you share. Like it's it's important to think that through. Hmm. Um, sometimes 
people when they get uh, too much information, it makes it more difficult for them to move forward, right? Some people are very detail oriented and they have vivid imaginations. And once that gets in, um, it's going to be very difficult for it to get out. So I think it's worthwhile having a conversation with the person being transparent to say, okay, I'm willing to share if it's really integral to your healing and the restoration of credibility. Um, but it's going to be important um, to consider the risks to knowing as much as you want to know. Is that going to make it harder for you or is it going to make it uh, better for you? And that might not be the conversation that you have on your own, right? Because again, it could sound like you're just kind of protect yourself from um, sharing and being open and being accountable, um, which is why as difficult as it may be sometimes, it's really helpful to have supportive people to support both parties as they reconnect and um, talk about reconciliation. So seeing and understanding, getting a sense of how is this going to be helpful? How is this going to be helpful for the other person? Okay, that's, yeah. that's, I think that's really, really important. Yeah, and I, I think that's the critical component of it all, isn't it? Because sometimes if we're so wrapped up in our own shame and, and maybe our, our MO is like, okay, I just want to get this off my chest or I just want to, I just want to break past the shame, we actually lose sight of the real point of that conversation, which is, um, which is the other person. It's to, to let them in, but then to give them a space to, to converse. And like you said, like it, it has to be with their best interest in mind. If you're seeking your own interest, that conversation is going to do way more harm than good. Um, so that was excellent. That, that's really, really helpful. I want to touch on one last thing here, and then I think we'll, we'll probably start to wrap. I know you and I could talk for hours. It feels like we barely scratched the surface here. But um, I think uh, one thing that, that is sort of undergirding a lot of the work that you do, and certainly the life that you lead, uh, which has been a really fun thing about getting to know you, is that you're not just an eloquent speaker and a really kind of intuitive, brilliant coach, counselor, guy. Um, you really walk the walk. Uh, like I see you with your girls, I see you with your wife. Uh, I get to just see you in kind of your everyday life, and you're you're doing everything that you're teaching other people to do. And I think the one thing that really stands out to me about you, uh, which I talk about all the time on this podcast because it's so valuable to me and it's very imperative to the guys who really get success in my programs, is self awareness and really cultivating that. Um, not just self-awareness for knowledge's sake, but actually just the pattern of constantly reflecting, being aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it, the impact it has, and, and then learning from it, you know, and growing as a result. And I think you're just such an embodiment of that message and really what it looks like to exercise that in a practical way. Can you give, um, give the audience some, some top tips? Uh, maybe uh, let's say you have a guy who is uh, just way on the other end of the spectrum. All he's able to say is, Sometimes I get stressed and that's why I watch porn or that's why I masturbate. Um, sometimes the urge just hits me and I just can't control it and that's why I do it. Let's just say that's the extent of their self-awareness. What, what would you tell them if they wanted to start making some improvements in that area? Wow. Um, I think a wonderful place to start is broadening their awareness and their vocabulary of what they feel, right? A simple example would be um, 
anxiety and stress they they kind of feel really similar in the body believe it or not right hmm. um, so a lot of people may actually be feeling anxious and that's stressing them out or they may get stressed and then feel anxious and as a result they they kind of uh, take whatever m mechanisms or coping strategies to to get rid of the the stress and the anxiety um, but as we kind of broaden our repertoire of emotional awareness, remember an emotion is a single word. So I feel stressed or I feel anxious, nervous, uncomfortable, uneasy, unsure, right? Unstable, like there's a whole range. Once we start to explore that and it resonates, then we're like, oh yeah, I do feel this. You become familiar with what you're actually feeling. And each feeling is going to be attached to a thought. And a thought can actually be a belief. So if I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling anxious because I think that something bad is going to happen. And that's kind of ambiguous. Well, what bad, what do I think bad is going to happen? Well, I don't know. Well, I think I'm going to get in trouble at work. I think they might let me go. Then you actually start to enter the, the domain of, okay, well, is this an actual worry like something that is really likely to happen that's a concern which we can create a plan for or is this like just a thought pattern that i worry pretty much about everything i've worried at every job i had that i'm going to get let go that's really worthwhile knowing about yourself because if you don't know that then you worry and then you don't perform well on the job and then they fire you because you're worried about getting fired right so the, just because we have a thought doesn't mean that it's true. So many people I work with, they're like worried that they're not going to do a great job when all the feedback that they're getting is amazing, right? It's like you, you're you at the top of the, your game, you did this, you got some great feedback, and yet you're worried, oh, it wasn't good enough, it wasn't good enough. There's something to that, right? So it's good to label how you're feeling. Journaling, you know me. Journaling is something I live by. Yes, um, I didn't want to. I go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, no, I was gonna say I didn't want to bring it up. I was hoping you would, because um, yeah, go for it. I know journaling is a huge part of what you do. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people, you know, there are different kinds of journals. I, I did a webinar about it, but suffice it to say that you can process your thoughts and your emotions. When I meet with people in moments, I could hear how they think, right? And I could see, okay, well, that's going to lead to that. That gets, right? That makes sense. Like, it just makes sense. When you make sense to yourself, that's when you experience change, right? Hmm. So when you journal, you start to be like, oh, yeah, that's, that makes sense that I would feel the way that I feel. So if I don't want to feel that, what do I want to feel instead? And you reverse engineer it. Okay, what do, what when I feel that way, what am I typically thinking? Or what would I what could I think to help me feel this way? And you start to be the informant in your own kind of process. Hmm. So some people think it's very difficult to become more self-aware. I don't think so at all. You I will give you can you can get it from me, you can get it from anybody. Just get a list of emotions and just look at it. And be like, okay, when's the last time I felt this? What is that? Oh, what does that word mean? I don't even know. Then you look it up, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you think back, okay, when did it, have I ever experienced this? Yeah. And there's this experiential muscle, emotional memory that when we kind of identify it, we can go back to it, right? 
And that is one thing that's going to move us down the road of healing because we can go back to things, experience it, tolerate it, and then decide what we want to do with it. So uh, I, I, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the, the key really there is that self-awareness is not this mountain that you have to climb. We all actually have that ability. It's just a matter of, of starting to do it. And, and it's going to start small. It's like anything. It's a muscle you exercise. You start small. And then as you do it more, as you do more reps, it starts to get easier. You become a lot stronger in the area. And it, it sort of builds that momentum. Um, I love it. Uh, Andrew, you always have like uh, different projects on the go. You're a very busy man. And, um, and so I appreciate you taking time just to, to sit down and talk. Uh, I want you to just share a little bit about this exciting event that you have going on here because um, I, I know it's online, so it's going to be accessible for people no matter where they are. And then for anybody who just wants to connect with you, maybe apart from the event, uh, let us know how they can do that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Reconnect Conference for individuals, couples, and families. It's going to be amazing. June 19th. Um, yes, like you said, it's online. I have two of my wisest friends coming in and Sathya will be on tap for next year um, but uh, yeah um, you can access it on my website by all means um, I'll be doing three sessions myself and my friends will be doing two so it'll be five jam-packed rich sessions and the good thing about it is it will be recorded and available online so if you register you can have access to it forever um, so that's one thing that I'm doing. It's really, really fun. But um, yeah, if you want to connect with me outside of that, info at coachdrew.ca is where you can find me, www.coachdrew.ca. Do people even say www anymore? Like, it's I'm hard just to say. <laughs> right? Coachdrew.ca, that's where you can find me. And um, I, live, I, live to, I live to serve. I live to be a resource. So by all means, reach out. Yeah, yeah, you do, and, and you do it really well. Thank, thank you so much, Andrew. I uh, really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sathya. Hey, guys. Uh, Sathya here just one last time. Uh, I hope you were really impacted by this interview. I know for me, um, like we kind of mentioned, we could just talk for hours. Um, I love Dr. Blackwood. I love his material, his content. Uh, Coach Drew, sorry. Coach Drew. And um, just everything he does is, uh, is phenomenal. And so um, hope it really impacted you. I want to just give you one last encouragement. Sign up for his event, uh, the Reconnect Conference. Our details are in the, or the link is in the show notes. And if you're looking for uh, more content like this, you want to grow in your relationships, and maybe you're tired of doing things in bursts, you know, like having a week where you're really intense on something or a month or even a couple months but you just want something consistent, something that's regular, and something that you know is going to produce long-lasting results, I encourage you to go to my website, sign up for my weekly newsletter. Uh, that's going to give you a steady influx of inspiring content, useful insights, and things that are just going to keep you on track in your journey to recovery. And uh, we really we work hard. We honestly labor hard to just give you uh, recent research findings, to give you stuff that we're seeing in our own practice here, and, um, and lots of stories uh, to inspire you and to kind of keep it interesting. So that's on my website, Sathya sam.com just scroll to the bottom uh, you can sign up for the weekly newsletter and uh, it'll be delivered straight to your inbox hey thanks so much for listening i really appreciate it and i wish you a life of confidence and integrity have a great day 
Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.